shalom everyone. This is Dr. Dina Dye with Returning to Eden. And I will be joined shortly with my co-host, Jeff Morton. And we're going to get into something uh, which I think is very important tonight. Uh, the context of it still will be the kingdom, but we're going to talk more about sort of practical application. Uh, I just wanted to mention that for those of you who have been following me in my journey of writing my book, that I have officially completed four chapters, and I'm working on the fifth and final chapter, which I am Yay! so excited about. You have no idea. This has been a hard book to write. So uh, it's been eight months now, and I've had you know derailment in many different quarters. But part of it, too, was just how long it took to process the material in, in, to be able to present it in a way that made sense, because I first had to understand it. You can't write something if you don't understand it. So as I wrestled with the material and sort of congealed and made sense and I could write it down in words, I've gone through a journey. So, And the reason I say that is because having completed this chapter and moving to the final chapter, which is all is trying to bring all of the material together, the idea being the sort of practical application part of it, it's kind of like, okay, I'm giving you know all this material, some of it's deep, some of it's scholastic, so what? What does it mean? How do we reconcile the material? How does it have value in our lives? How does it change us? How is it important in our day-to-day -day relationships? And that's the bottom line of the kingdom. The kingdom is relational, and we can never forget that. And there's no point doing this if it doesn't bring us into a relationship with Messiah and each other. So uh, Jeff's going to sh share, I'll let him introduce kind of what happened uh, over this past weekend with his brother's visit out to New York. Um, but we're going to talk about, we're going to look at the kingdom in this way. Of his, his story this past weekend really touched me, and it made me realize, you know, a dimension of this that we've maybe forgotten over all our weeks. And so we want to bring that home to you. So Jeff, if you wouldn't, mind just sort of sharing briefly, you know, and, and what you need to share about what happened uh, this past weekend. Well, uh, sure, um, Dina, and I'm looking forward to your book. Um, really, folks, I, I, I have the first chapter. It's probably been edited a couple of times, but she sent it to me. Yep. This book is a game changer. <laughs> and, and here's why. This is really, really important. Because if, you, if you've been following Returning to Eden for any length of time, we are hoping that you're getting the fact that we're talking about something um, completely different than just what, you know, towing the line to how to read the Bible. And I challenged a few people this week before I get into the story. I said, and I quoted, and I actually did this, you know, I'll tell you about that in New York, but I, I said to people, I quoted a Genesis 3.1, depending on whatever translation you have. It goes something like this. Now the serpent was more craftier than all the beasts of the field, and it approached Eve and started talking to her. Now if you and I were sitting in a room and somebody walked up to me and said, hey, the serpent you know, was craftier than all the beasts of the field and started talking to this lady, <laughs> you would probably think I was on crack still or on drugs or a little crazy. But that's the way that has been written and handed to us for centuries. 
And what if there's a lot more to that than just that's, you know, I mean, how many snakes walk up to you and start talking about being the craftiest beast in the field? And so what Dina and I are doing is we're unraveling those words because Moses would have used those words as metaphoric and, you know, they're, 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 he's, he's not writing a paragraph in the way you and I would read a book. He's using the landscape and the culture to have a conversation that would have been easily read or adapted by the people he's talking to because they were in the culture, sort of like you and I talking about computers. Moses and I couldn't have that conversation about computers. But he can have a conversation about a snake because the headdress of the pharaoh was a snake, cobra. He can have a conversation about the field because in the ancient world, the field represented the nations of the kingdoms. He can have a conversation about the beasts in the field because he's talking about the kings and the various leaders in a culture where those were the way that those things were kind of talked about. So can now just... we know, or we can say, that a king who was crafter than all the other kings came out of the nations and was trying to do something evil to the house of Israel or the house of David, Adam being the line of the first high priest of the first king of the proposed nation Israel. So now we see this is all kind of coming together and it follows the patterns of the fall of mankind or certainly the fall of what Adam was to do in his role as the high priest. So that's kind of what we're talking about. And um, so I go back to New York. My brother has pancreatic cancer. It's spread. It's moved to his liver. He's uh, half the size. He, he was 250-some-odd pounds. He's down 125 pounds. And uh, I hadn't seen him for 21 years. He's been incarcerated for 27 years. Now, I got a chance to talk to my brother about a lot of things. I asked him, you know, uh, first when he saw me, he just collapsed and started crying. He kind of fell into my arms, if you will, because he hadn't seen me for 21 years. We've spoken and we've talked and we've written letters, but we haven't physically seen each other. And he was um, he was so appreciative to see me, and, and likewise. Uh, but he just collapsed in my arms. And, uh, you know, I could feel his frame and he's bony and thin. And um, it was, you talk about an emotional roller coaster. It was all of that and more. And then he said to me when we gathered ourselves, he said, I've been waiting for you for two years to come and explain this Torah stuff to me. <laughs> and uh, because he gave his life to the Lord about eight years ago, he said, uh, but he was trying to understand, you know, the stuff that was in my book. That I sent him Valerie Moody's book years ago, a couple of years ago, and I sent him Brendan and Dan Cathcart's book, Valerie's book, let me mention it, Feast of Adonai, which was a game changer for me, and I sent it to him two years ago, along with a volume set by Dan and Brenda Cathcart called The Messiah, Shadows of the Messiah, and my book. And so he's had that material, and he said it blew him away, and he wanted to understand it better. He doesn't have contact with the outside world, so and he can't have CDs and all those things. He can only have books. And so um, we had a brilliant conversation about all that. I began to show him, you know, the Torah, and I began to show him with the actual reading of the Tanakh, and I kind of put things together for him. I showed him about the two sticks, the Hebrew letters, the alphabet, 
And, uh, you know, the prophet Jeremiah, when he talks about in 3130, 30, 3130 through 34, Ezekiel 35, or excuse me, 37, 1 through 15, or 15 through 27, and I showed him how this is about the building of a kingdom. And I said, and you're a citizen of the kingdom, much like you are the citizen of the United States of America. And I said, as a citizen of the United States of America, you broke all kinds of laws. And finally, the nation set you apart. They put you in captivity because you weren't protecting life. And I said, it's the same. It's a microcosm of the kingdom of God, and it's the same thing. It's just that all of this came out of the mind of God, not out of the mind of men. And we perverted it and we changed it to where it's now something that we own as opposed to something we've perverted. And I began to explain to him that this is not a faith-based situation. I said, you, Brian, of all people, his name is Brian, should understand this better. You stood before a judge, and the judge held you to account based on your role in the kingdom. You were perverting your function and purpose and therefore your life was not pr producing any fruit, and so you have been put in captivity. So that's the Bible. That's a biblical story of a nation called Israel or several other people. And I said, so when you start seeing it from a kingdom perspective, well, you upset the king, and the king had to protect those around you. And that's kind of the microcosm of your life, but it really is how... The creator of the universe has created everything for the purpose of promoting life. You weren't doing that, and so now you're paying the consequence. And that applies to all of us, not just you. You just happen to be in a microcosm of a prison system or captivity. The whole world is in captivity as far as I'm concerned, but through the blood of Messiah we've been given an opportunity to be freed from the curse that it was imposed upon us for breaking covenant. And so I went through all of that with him, and he really was gobbling it up, and he was getting it. In fact, on day two of our visit, Dina, he said to me, and I knew he got this. I really knew that he got this. He said, you know, I spent all those years taking from people. His crime was robbery. He robbed businesses, uh, him and two other people. And he admitted that to me. He also admitted to me that, he said, nobody knows this. I haven't told a lot of the family this, but I never had any bullets in the gun. And he said, I'm telling you this because I want you to know that I never, I, I made sure that I wasn't going to shoot anybody. And um, he said, I could have gotten shot, I don't know how many times and killed and murdered. He said, but it didn't happen. <laughs> I mean... This is a real conversation that I'm having with my brother who's incarcerated for life. Wow. Okay, so I'm just putting that out there for you folks. It's been well, very, it's... very difficult, very difficult for my family. But, Dina, go ahead. Well, I, you know, just thinking about, I mean, yes, he ended up in prison for a long time and, like you said, you know, in exile out of the camp and suffered serious consequences for his actions. And... Like you said, we all experience the same thing. We all have consequences to our actions when we violate covenant. And in thinking about his life, I mean, a, a, ends up a, a broken man just like so many others. I, I know, you know, you've shared a little bit about your upbringing, and I know, it was, you know, you, there was a lot of tragedy and difficulty, and uh, I know you don't want to go into that stuff, but 
every family experiences some dimension of that and so we've got heartbroken broken people all over the earth and so here's a man and and God you know in that place in exile God took him and he met him face to face now I don't know how I don't know when you were a young person you know if there was a Christian influence in your home and your family and your world uh, I'm I don't know how much of a Christian influence he had in jail I know there's ministries that go you know to help um, minister Gina, to the yeah. Gina, we had a dog named Satan <laughs> okay well that answers that doesn't it folks so what I'm what I'm trying to get to is I it seems to me just from what you've said that your brother wasn't quote indoctrinated with the party line and so he you know he received the Lord however that happened you know and he was transformed and he was changed and he began to really wrestle with the truth and then when you know you systematically sent him stuff he started to receive it and I think it's in some ways easier to minister to folks who haven't been immersed you know in church doctrine and theology than it is to, to reach those folks it's easier I think to reach the downtrodden and the, the broken in the field than it is the self-righteous sitting in church you know what I'm saying well I know what you're saying but I, I remember too and I've met a lot of people and I'm sure you will agree with me that there's a lot of broken people that have found the Messiah through church yeah and, oh absolutely yeah and, and so I know that's not quite what you're talking about and I want to yeah. kind of make sure that the audience understands that you know we we've been taught a whole lot of things and I have a saying now it's relatively new don't go to church uh, waiting for somebody to tell you what it's all about go to church with a little bit of knowledge and understanding because of your own research so that you can have a discussion while you're there as opposed to be fed somebody's in, in, you know do your own study for God's sakes find out but and that's kind of an easy thing to say but you have to realize you have to go back in fact um, my brother said to me that talking to a, one of the Jewish kids in there a young man he said, Moses, he said, when you're reading the Bible, try to see it from Moses' eyes. And uh, he said, he's talking about a lot of the same things you're talking about. And I said, well, you can't really see the Bible from Billy Graham's lens if the foundation is based on Billy Graham's lens and not Moses' cultural and the integrity of his writing." You can't really see it unless you go back and kind of move forward with Moses as opposed to going back and interpreting Moses. And so he kind of got that. He kind of got that whole thing. But something I want to say, and I want to make sure I say this. On day two of my visit with my brother, he said something to me, and I, I saw his heart, and I could see it. I mean, he's got cancer, and it's not looking good. Um, the prison system, by the way, won't allow us to do any kind of any additional uh, natural medicines. In fact, the only thing that he is allowed right now is pain medication. That's it. So, um, but he said this to me. He said, "You know, I didn't realize how I was hurting people." 
He said, I didn't realize the kind of fear that I was putting in people. I didn't, re I didn't think about that. He said, if I could do it all over again, if I could do my life all over again, I would spend my life serving people. He said, because <clears throat> I realized that what I was doing was taking from people instead of serving others. And that's when I knew that I knew that I knew that the heart of my brother was in the hands of the Lord. And I knew that. And so from that moment forward, I was almost giddy sitting there talking with my brother because I realized he realized that he was a citizen of the kingdom and that death was not the end of his life. And I kind of walked him through that whole thing, too. And I said, at one point, he said, How's he, how do you know that? And I said, do you believe that Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, got up out of the grave? And I said, he said, yes. And I said, well, he set the example for all of us. And I had all these scriptures written out about how death is this and, you know, death will be removed and blah, 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 blah. And they wouldn't let me take him in to give to him. So oh, I'm, yeah. I have to mail him to him because I want him to understand that death is not the opposite of life. Death is the absolute curse that was right. imposed upon all of humanity for not protecting life. Right. Right. And, and, we and said there's life that. and there's eternal life. That, yeah, that's he it. He really got that. Yeah. He really yeah. got that. Well, I wanted to just make a point because I, for me in you know, the closing chapter of my book, the key thing here you know, is the conclusion he came to is to serve. Yes. That is the role of the priest. That was the role of the priest in the temple. It's, it, they're acting on behalf of the people. The people couldn't go into that space and do anything. So the priests were in there performing the tasks and the rituals, etc., for the purpose of being mediators between the people and God. Because obviously, I mean, they couldn't go into his presence either. So the concept of service that he has grasped a hold of, that is the message of the kingdom to serve. Yeah, I, I mean, I. That was kind of like. Um... You know how you know when you know when you know that a person's heart has been transformed? Absolutely, yeah. And that's when I knew. And my brother said to me at one point, he says, well, you've got this smile on your face. You've had this smile on your face. What are you smiling about? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I said, because the Father has allowed me to see yeah. that he has you in the palm of his hands. Amen. And I knew what a that. great testimony. It is. Yeah. So I, I left New York. I mean, I remember the first day I walked out of the prison to leave, and I, I couldn't really see the the uh, key to put the key in the car because I was cry I cried from the door to the door yeah. to the car, and I couldn't see. Then I get in the car, and there's no tissue and nothing. <laughs> it's a rental car, and I'm going, okay, great. What am I going to do now? And the same thing happened the next day. But the next day, it was more tears of, Father, thank you for allowing me to see that you didn't allow my brother to die. He didn't kill anyone or murder anyone. And now you give me the absolute knowledge that he is, whatever the decision is concerning his life, is yours to make. Mm -hmm. And I know that now. Yeah. So I, I come away from there, not the, the pain and the, all of the things, the anguish over the years that I've missed him. He doesn't know my kids, and he doesn't know my grandkids, and he's been absent. And He actually said to me, you know, that's been very difficult for me, too. 
And I really thought about that from his perspective. And yes, he, he's got full of regrets. And I mean, you know, mm-hmm. people. Yeah. There's a lot of our relatives that have done the wrong things or flipped or whatever the case may be. And there's several of them became Democrats. You know, you, you, what, what do you do? <laughs> Sound Sorry, like folks. Tim Allen. Had, had to put that one in there. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm a conservative, okay, just for the record. Um, but anyway, the bottom line was he, he seemed to have come to terms with his situation. Yeah. And well, he said something to me too, Dina. He said, I watched a program with Marie Osmond. She was talking about the death of her son who committed suicide. He said, I had been depressed for years. Hmm. He said, but I watched that program and her depression, and he said, I realized that the reason I was depressed for all of those years is because I never held myself accountable for my behavior. And that day I accepted responsibility for my behavior. And I know, he said, I haven't been depressed ever since. Wow, that is dramatic. Yeah, Yeah, because we see people who know the Lord totally depressed. Now, I'm not talking about people who are dealing with clinical, you know. I know. I'm just talking about, you know, choosing to have that mindset. I I don't want to confuse that with people who are struggling with with some sort of um, physiological issue. Uh, but we have, because we can make the choice every day. And I'm, I'm only saying this because I fall prey to that, that, you know, and that you make the choice that you held yourself accountable to God. You've made the choice to serve and to do it with joy and, and gratitude. I mean, look at the, you look at the situation your brother's in, that, you know, from the outside, you wouldn't say that that was a place of gratitude and joy, you know. Yeah. Um, what I so along sort of this goes along the lines. I, I was thinking, if he had a chance to talk to a group of people, he, if he got out and he could sit with a group of people and share with them and encourage them, what do you think he would say? I think he would say what he said to me: that <clears throat> it's better to serve others than to take from people. I think he would say that. In fact, that seemed to be a main theme in his, you know, as he was explaining himself, he kept saying that um, he marveled at what, you know, how my life has transformed, and I'm a cancer survivor. Yeah. And he says, you're just amazing. And uh, I said, well, it wasn't always that way. But when I I began, my heart's desire is to serve people, to help other people. And I told him that after he told me what it was in his heart, and I said, and you know, God, the, the creator that I know, he loves people. He loves a servant's heart. And so with the world being so screwed up, we're like the glue that holds everything together. I said, people are still having babies and people are still getting married because there are still servants in the world. Amen. And that's, I mean, if you think about the ones that are overseas helping the poor, you know, dealing with if they have bad water or, you know, they need medicine or whatever, you know, Doctors Without Borders and Samaritan's Purse and, you know, all these different... Even Rick I mean, down in Peru. Yeah. Absolutely. These, it, it, without the, the Christian, I don't know what else to call it, the, that community, that community has saved the world. Well, I believe that the faith-based community... You see, <clears throat> what Dean and I are not doing is we're not reaching into your heart and ripping your Christian belief out of your chest. Amen. 
We're simply suggesting go back and see what King David saw because he didn't see a church on a street corner. Go back and look at what Abraham was talking about in his culture because he didn't see televised evangelism. So go back and work our way forward because for some reason the Creator purposed all of this information to be supplanted into those people and he, those people passed it down to us. So let's go back and acknowledge those people as opposed to interpreting our cultural integrity on top of theirs. It's kind of like we just dropped this great big building on top of Israel and all of its history <laughs> and said it's irrelevant yeah. because we got the new thing. Yeah, and what yeah. Dean and I are suggesting to you is what if that's really not true? So take the information that brought you to salvation and go back, give the scriptures back to the writers and learn from the writers. You can't read Dina's new book and credit me with all the information in it. You can't read Moses' information and credit Billy Graham, no offense to Billy Graham, with all of the information. You can't do it. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So you have to go back and find out, well, gee, Moses was Egyptian. He did all this stuff. The Jews have written all this stuff about him. Let me go back and see from that perspective right. and work your way forward. And I want to say about your last chapter of the practical application. And I said this to my brother. I said, you know, we get up in the morning. Most of the American public does not get up in the morning and go, oh, what laws can I break? Right. We try to adhere to the laws of this country. And those of us who help other people, we try to do those things. And we go to work and we do our jobs and we do all of the things and we try to stay within the boundaries that keep us out of trouble. I said, what I'm suggesting to you, to Brian, to all people, is that we take that up a notch and just apply the same attitude to the kingdom of God and yeah. call ourselves citizens of the kingdom of God and do the same thing the best you can. Because when you accepted the covenant that has been renewed, you were now a citizen of the kingdom of God and you have to represent that king. And well, he got I would, that. I was thinking too, one of the things in the ancient world, when the king came to power, his job was to maintain the created order. And the way he did that was by uh, having a kingdom filled with righteousness and justice. Justice was the key to keeping the created order. So whenever you violated a law in that world, the, co the creation would start collapsing, unwinding. And the thing is, God has called us to be, you know, a kingdom of priests, kings and priests, if you will. And we have that same responsibility. When we violate the commandments, it's not like God takes his magic wand and zaps you on the head. It's that you've now become exposed to the consequences of your actions. It's your own actions that cause the, 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 cause the punishment, if you will. It's not God going, Zappo, I hate you, I'm going to do all this terrible stuff to you. It's your own actions that cause the created order, you know, the kind of unravel. And we don't, we don't take that seriously at all. No, we, we, what we do is, and, and I speak for all of us, I'm not singling myself out, if we put a seed in the ground and we put water on it and we put sunshine on it, it'll grow. Okay? If we go out and break the laws of the kingdom and put garbage on top of garbage, 
then it'll grow too. It's it's just a natural order of things. And the problem is, God's trying to clean his house, so if you're raising garbage up in his house, you're probably going to get taken out with the trash because you're not producing the fruit in the reverse order. And so we kind of have to look at it that way. If you produce garbage in the king's house, he's eventually going to get rid of you. It's built into the way he cleans up everything. It's built, it's automatic. And that, it's not, if you make a mess and nobody cleans it up, then that mess becomes, it becomes um, just about everywhere, universal. And that's what we've got because we as believers are not trying to clean up the mess. We're trying to get removed from the mess. And the father goes, no, you guys made a mess now. Yeah. Go fix it. Yeah. <laughs> clean yeah. it up. And he's given us the tools to be able to do that. I think we forget. And uh, we, ha we have, he's given us, through the Spirit, has given us everything we need, if you will. I hate, this sounds so cliched. But to make the world a better place, I mean it. Well, that's very Jewish of you, Dina. <laughs> <laughs> because I know that I've sounds... talked to the Jewish people, and that's their number one goal is to make life better for someone else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not all Jews, trust me when I say that. But in the core behind a lot of uh, Jewish culture is to make the world a better place, and they do a pretty good job of that all over this planet. Um, <clears throat> Uh, going back to the practical application of your book, and I agree with you. We, I, I've got five or six books here that I'm trying to read. I've got so much stuff to do. I'm, I don't even know how I got through this show. I'm so tired. But the practical application of literally understanding how the temple is being revealed in creation is to realize we have been called servants. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, if you're sitting there on Facebook talking about, uh, you know, okay, those Christians, whatever the case may be, if you are bringing division, yep. then you're doing what they do in the field. You're doing what Cain did. You're doing what the servant did. You're doing what uh, Jezebel did. You're doing what Judas did. You're creating adversity within the body. And I would just simply say the practical application is to protect the body. Yes. Because the body is bringing forth life. And we have, we have to recognize that if we are at war with one another, either in word or thought, then the enemies of the kingdom of God really don't have to worry about us at all. No, I think I don't it's time for them to worry about us. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, so. Uh, you know, as we've gone through the show tonight, just and I'm again trying to synthesize the material. I think that's really the key. I mean, did did he not say, "Well done, my good and my faithful faith. servant"? Yes. I mean, that is what. That's the way we want to leave. <laughs> and you know, thinking about it, there is, like you said, there's no death is just an interruption between life and eternal life. That's exactly right. That, yeah. that is so, death is like a thing inserted into eternity. The, we made the choice to experience death. Right. And, and the Father gave us an opportunity to experience Have our eternal life. Restored. life. Yeah, exactly. So that means that, and according to the scriptures, 
the graves are going to be opened one day, and the eternal situation. I love how you say, and I've said this a thousand times, death is, is just being removed from time. Right. And yeah. I, I think, I mean, really think about it. Cancer is something that we've kind of created. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> all on our own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of the sicknesses that are permeating society is because of the sickness in society. Correct. That we've kind of created. And, and the father's going, you know, if you're one of these people saying, God, I can't wait to die and get out of here, well, I got newsflash for you. <laughs> Your body's the only thing that's going to die. Right. Okay? Your body's the only thing that's going to die. Your spirit is eternal. Amen. And you Amen. have a choice on whether you want to spend that that uh, eternal situation or eternal reality in prison or in peace. Yeah. Anyway, Dina, that's, uh, I don't think, when, but when is the book going to be done? you have a target date yet? Uh, I've, I've had many target dates. Um, okay, what's the latest one? <laughs> the latest well, so I'm hoping uh, this chapter will probably take two or three weeks to write it, uh, but it goes to the formatter after, and that can take another three weeks. So uh, that's that's a process. But uh, everything else is done. So what we we call it in the in the book trade the front matter. So when you do your table of contents and your introduction and your dedication and acknowledgments and all that stuff, so that's done. Your back matter is your uh, bibliography and your glossaries and whatever else you want to put in there. So that's done. The cover is done, front and back. So really, uh, I've sent off chapter four to my editors. Um, I have five editors that go through uh, my stuff. (laughs) Sounds uh, pretty academic to me. (laughs) Well, you wouldn't believe the mistakes you make. (laughs) Oh, yes, I would. (laughs) So well, I'm looking forward to the book. I really. Am. I am. I'm. I'm really jazzed about it because I really do think it, it's this last chapter I wrote is all about what it means to be a king, and how kings in the ancient world were anointed, and what that meant. And I mean, you know, it's a ten thousand word chapter that I've just explained in about five words. <laughs> so. Um, well, we're looking forward to the book, and also. Um, I'm going to see you in January down in Florida. Yep, coming up soon here, January 10th. uh, We all head out, and we have the uh, temple course in Orlando, Florida. With Rico and and Joe Good. Rico and myself and Joe Good, so that's going to be great. I'm really looking for And I'm I'm off to California, Oasis uh, Life Fellowship in Lancaster. I'll be doing their uh, teaching for Hanukkah there, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, cool. Yeah. so anyway, folks, we're we're just out about out of time, and as a uh, just beca- because of our financial picture, Michelle and I, we're actually doing better. Oh, but this trip to New York was a set was you a, back. Uh, that was a big chunk uh, on a credit card. So for those that had of you, to be. Have, yeah, yeah, there are some folks that helped out, and I just want to say to those people, um, yourself included, <laughs> thank you for your help to do this. This has been. See, that's kingdom work, to help yeah. you to go to bring that message to your brother and your brother to teach you. And your brother's going to, that ministry is going to penetrate, you know, I don't know, penetrate, but it's going to go around the prison. There's a prison guard who's a Christian. I mean, look, just by investing in someone's life, look what can happen. 
Well, it was. Um, it's never about the money, folks. It's about. Um, it's about helping one another. Amen. And several Serving. people came alongside yeah. of me to to help do this. You know, they, they put a little change in my pocket and then helped pay for a little bit of this trip. Yeah. But I want to say to you, uh, really from the bottom of my spirit, and I always say from the deepest part of my spirit, thank you. It, you know, we all help each other, and that's kind of people have helped me and I've helped others. And I just want to say thank you to all of those who got it. And uh, keep praying for all of us. And, you know, if you have family members and whatnot that are incarcerated, you need prayer, just you know, drop me an email or something. We'll be praying for you. Because yeah, absolutely. That's, that's an ugly place to be, and I got absolutely. to go see it. It's yeah. horrible. I wouldn't. Yeah. I can't imagine. Anyway, that's it, Dina. I don't okay. have anything more. Me neither. <laughs> Thank All you. Right, you guys. Shalom, everyone. Shalom. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.